For over 10 years, I couldn't get my productions to sound how I wanted, so I buried myself in online tutorials trying to figure out why, and even having some of the same tools as other producers and mixers I envied, my productions weren't coming even close. I've heard the term referencing get thrown around, and I thought I was referencing the right way myself, but I was totally wrong, and over time developed a referencing system that would help me produce any desired result. I'm excited to announce that you can now use this same system yourself in our new course, The Magical Guide to Referencing. This gives you the exact framework I've used and successfully taught hundreds of students through the years. If you're ready to stop chasing your mixing tail in circles and ready to understand any mix you hear to replicate those same results for yourself, you can find a link to the magical guide to referencing in the description wherever you're listening. See you there, my friends. Hello and welcome to Working in Music Sucks. My name is John Maciel and for almost two decades I've been working in the audio recording industry. I've worked with producers and mixers like Bo Rochelle, Joey Sturgis and Josh Newell and countless others on records with bands like Era, Census Fell and Mooseblood. And along this journey I've also worked with two of the biggest music educational companies where I helped thousands of aspiring engineers achieve their dreams of making music production a fulfilling full-time career. But as great as that sounds, to be honest, the first 10 years of working in music sucked. I started this podcast to talk about what sucks about working in music so others like myself who love music production and want to wake up every morning fulfilled and driven to making records people love can do just that. Working in music sucks, but with what we talk about on this podcast, it doesn't have to any longer. If that sounds like your cup of coffee, then you're in the right place, my friends. Let's get into it. Welcome, welcome back. In last week's episode, we talked about why you're not landing work. And there was another episode before that when we talked about networking and then rates. And it's all part of like a series now that I thought about it. Like I broke it down. I was like, oh, I've, I've, without knowing it, I've been doing a series on, on getting out there and getting to work and making sure you create something that is sustainable so that you love it. Cause this audio is amazing. It's one of the best freaking careers you can have out there. Like think about how many songs are trending on TikTok. How many people go to concerts? Like audio engineers made that happen. You know, the artists, if the, an artist is talented and they're great, but if there was no one there to record that performance or capture it and put it into a computer and then make it sound like it does for the mass to consume, I truly don't believe that most artists can get to a certain, past a certain level without the help of audio engineers. I feel like it, you just, you need the hands of engineers to help massage things, to take them to that next level that truly showcases the talent of the artists and bands that we work with. And maybe there's people who will counter that argument. I'm maybe I'm wrong. It is what it is, but we've been talking about this series on trying to create a sustainable career so that you can go out there and kill it. And talking about things that, uh, I've listened to so many podcasts and like business advice when it comes to like uh, building a audio career. Like what advice would you give to someone starting out? It's always like advice that is, it's like a chocolate chip cookie advice. It's like, yeah, it's good, but it's not nutritious and it's not sustainable. Like it sounds, it sounds good. It tastes delicious, but the actual stuff that we need to be eating to have a healthy life, to have a healthy career is different. So this episode, I wanted to talk about why you're not getting repeat business. So you've, you've, you've done everything from the last episode we discussed, but artists are not coming back to you and you're just flabbergasted. You're like, why? I thought we had such a great experience. Why are they going to 
to Joe down the street. It makes no sense to me. Like what, what the hell? Don't they, don't they know the sacrifice and all the effort I put in? Bands don't care. Artists don't care. They don't care about any of that. There's other factors that matter. But I spent all that time building the rapport and doing everything that was the right. But now, now they're, they're gone. The hell did I do all that work for? Well, by having those thoughts, that's kind of the problem. So let's, so I've got five things that I want to discuss bullet points and I want to break it down into these, these bullet points. And hopefully it's what helps you kind of have the realization of like, Oh shit. Like I get it. So number one, and it's gonna be really boring. Like all the other things I talk about in these episodes, it's gonna be really, really boring, but it's so important. And this is one of those things that no one really thinks about. It's so, I never thought about it until I started uh, working with my mentor and saw that he had created an ideal experience. I've kind of hinted at it in another episode, but an ideal experience, meaning you have a, you have a flow. So you know, you have like an onboarding sequence. So think of it like, um, if you ever go to like a show and it's like, you get to the concert, you know what to expect when you get to the concert, you're going to see bands live. But then when you walk in and it's like fast to get your tickets to pulled, you get inside, they do the security check, and then you know where everything's at. The venue's clean. The bathrooms are clean. Everything's open. Uh, it's really easy to get your seats. It's like when you have that type of ideal experience, you don't mind going to that venue again, and you don't mind paying the money to go to that venue again or to that artist's shows because you know that they have – certain shows have like a caliber of how they're you know, set. And that's just like, like a major example. There could be like the theater, things like that. But places we tend to frequent have ideal experiences that we enjoy and that we want to go back to, right? As audio engineers, once we are given the yes, everything is an experience that we need to be providing. We can't just like, oh yeah, come in, we'll kind of we'll record uh, between like 10 and I don't know, like six and then – you know, uh, I'll edit, and then the next day you guys can hear, like, the drums edited. But then when it comes to the next day, you're like, oh, I only got one of the songs edited because, like, I got really tired last night. It was a long day, so I didn't finish the rest. So the band's like, oh, well, we thought we were going to listen to all the drums and be able to do, like, other things. But you're like, no, just the one song tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes, and you're like, I did one more. I couldn't because the night before, I blah, blah, blah. Like, you, you don't have a system. So the expectation to reality is not what what the band is, is expecting and they're just you know they're not stoked and nothing's going according to plan and things just kind of drag on and this is a very normal normal scenario <laughs> like i know a lot of people who've told me stories like this like yeah no shit if i was in the band i would not come back to you either what i was like no you 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 didn't or There'll be like arguments like this band said this, this, and this. And I said this. And I was like, did you set the expectation at the beginning? Like, well, no. Like, I just thought I'm like, well, if you can't assume anything. I'm like, that's where we all screw up because I've screwed up with that without setting expectations. So we, the winging it, not setting up expectations, not creating timelines, not having a, a onboarding. These are all things you got to have mapped out. And so let's let's talk about onboarding. Or the, the flow. So once you get the yes, you need to have a system of like, okay, what days do you 
what days do you record? What days and times do you start and end? Are you working off of like MIDI drums to record everything and then you do drums at the end? Do you start off with MIDI drums, bass, and then go into vocals and then go into guitars and shape everything else around? Like there's there's no one tried and true method, but there is the traditional, you know, drums, guitar, drums, bass, guitars, vocals that a lot of people do. And nowadays it's more common to do, uh, use the MIDI drums, record bass, record guitars, and then vocals and then do the drums at the very end after everyone has done it to um, the perfect drummer essentially but it's like okay so we record between 10 and 6 and since we're doing mini drums I kind of just edit as we go so at the end of the day um, drum and bass day you guys will not get tracks but once we start laying down the guitars I will give you guys bounce I will have a Dropbox folder that everyone is synced to that you guys can listen to the roughs of the of the day if you want that will bounce out as soon as we're done tracking at six before i go in at seven i will bounce all these out so you guys can listen to what to where we're at make notes of anything that we need to cover that you forgot to do so we're all on the same page in the mornings if you guys want to show up at like nine that's dope. We can talk about what needs to be taking place when we can put it down on a sheet and make sure we just cross off the sheet that of everything we get done. Or you guys can show up at 10 and we do the same thing. But before we start tracking, we kind of write down what are the goals for the day? What are we tracking? What are we not tracking? So we know what time we're taking lunch. What, everyone's on the same page of what's happening at what time when. As much as having a schedule sucks, people like to have something to to, to work towards, anticipation. Um as creative as they may be, they need some sort of structure. And when you provide that structure, they know things need to get done between this, this, and this time. And that's also creating timelines and it's setting expectations. It's not, it's knocking out so many things at once. And you're creating a, an experience of like, oh, this is how he works. So they know what to expect. And that's so huge because like any other business, you go to McDonald's, you know what to expect. You go to Jack in the Box, you know what to expect. When a band comes back, it it can't be a, a winging experience. It can't be like, oh, this this was a different experience than last time. No, it's like, okay, we already know that we're going to be recording between ten and six. I need, I can't record this day, so can we switch this day up, or can we like go extra this one day? The uh, both parties know what to expect on the the second or third second and third visits, and they can you know do alterations to a schedule that's appropriate based on all the parties. But setting up clear expectations, a clear system, and timelines, it's so crucial. That creates an ideal experience. And when people know what to expect, it's like they, uh, we as humans love familiarity. So it's like if they, go, if they were to give someone else a shot and then that person doesn't have a structured system like you do, they're automatically going to think about that. And then they are going to be like, hey let's just do this single with this person. And the next time we're going to go back with John because we know what to expect from him. And it's, it's actually more ideal. We wanted to give this a shot. We did, but it wasn't what we wanted. So keep that in mind. You want to create a system and you want to, you know, it just creates the ideal experience. The next one is such a, it's such a killer. It sucks when it happens, but it's not, it's when a vision isn't clear. And what I mean by that is you meet with the band and you guys are like, okay, we're going to do this and this for the single. Like we have these influences and you think that's enough. 
then they bring in the post-production version of the song or whatever version of the song that they've been listening to. And they tell you what they want to do with it. Before you even record anything, you should take that session if possible and start scrambling together all the ideas as much as possible. So everyone's on the same page because what happens is they'll have a demo, they'll say things, but those things aren't what they mean in translation when it comes time to record. So when it comes time to record and you're like, Oh, you said you wanted like a Mars Volta ish type thing here. Like, no, 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 no. Like, yeah, Mars Volta, this type of thing. And it's like this one part that that band did. That's totally different than what the band normally does. And you're like, Oh, like that's actually like them trying to do, you know, a Rolling Stones thing or something. And you're just like, Oh, that's completely not what I thought you guys meant by that. So like having the conversations of having them show you examples, tell you what they're referencing, what they're listening to being on the same page so that the vision is clear when it comes time to record or mix or master or whatever you're doing. If that vision is not clear, that's going to create an unideal experience and they're going to be frustrated and then they're not going to come back. And it's just something you don't want. And then when they go on tour or talk to other people, they're just going to be like, yeah, it was cool, but it wasn't like the ideal experience that we wanted. And that sucks because like you're working your butt off to try to provide that. But if you're not ensuring having your own insurance of going through those steps and talking about that stuff, division's not clear. They're not going to come back. And it's, you have to create a scenario where you can make the vision as clear as possible. Will you always win in this regard? No. Sometimes bands don't even know what they want. That's the truth. Bands suck. They, they, or there's too many, too many of them have too many opinions and voices and they can't even get on the same page, but just be, just be careful about that. Uh, getting on the same page and really, if you have to take the first full day to discuss every part of the song, intro verse chorus, what you guys want to do, record on top of that demo or however you need to do it, doing the pre-production phase will save you so many headaches later on down the line. So take, take advantage of that. The next one, number three is the studio experience. It's not just the audio gear, the experience. Now, what do I, what do I mean by that? Are your bathrooms clean? Is there hand soap? Is there toilet paper? Are there amenities? Does it smell good? Cause Band people like to bring their significant others or their dating prospects to the studio so they can show off. And there's nothing worse than having a gross fridge. Basically, making it, if, it, if it looks like a, a, a dude's den, you, you want to clean that up. Get it smelling nice. It's a workplace, yes, but it shouldn't be like a dump. It should be a, a, a relaxing place. You know, the bathroom's clean. There's paper towels. Every morning before you get in there into your studio, is it clean? Is it nice? Would If you were to go record there, would you judge the engineer for how your quarters are, or how the studio is? Would you be like, oh, this is kind of messy? Now, some people are like, yeah, but I don't care if it's messy. But you would still have the thought, though, right? You would walk into the studio and be like, oh, this is kind of messy. You'd still record, but you would have the thought, oh, it was kind of messy. You don't want that. Is the fridge stocked with waters, soda, Gatorades, coconut water? Oh, you didn't even think about that one, did you? Do you have good coffee or are you just using cheap coffee? 
Do you have a couple of Starbucks? Do you have some popcorn that people can make? Do you have like granola bars, Nature Valley? Basically, have you done a Costco run? <laughs> if you're in America, have you done a Costco run? This shit matters. It helps create an inviting place. If you do this part, you're already so much further ahead than other studios in your area because most other studios will just have the fridge, but it's like you bring your own stuff in. Do you have to-go menus for like local restaurants that will deliver that you have like a little like magazine holder thing, but it's all just like local restaurant places within like a five, 10 minute radius that they can look at the menu and be like, oh, this actually looks good to eat. Because some of the members will be walking around, they're getting hungry. If you have granola bars, snack bars, they're going to be stoked because they're going to have a snack and they're not going to be thinking about food all the time. And if you can afford it and swing it, like having some like bananas and apples in a little basket, can't tell you how many times that's saved so many lives because like, oh, I'm just going to eat this banana and I'll be good for like an hour. And then you're able to get an hour more work worth of work done because you had this stuff. And you know, you might be thinking, well, that that costs money, blah, blah, blah. Well, if you're charged, if you go back to the episode where we're talking about your baseline and how much you should be charging, this should be all taken into account. And these are all business, this is all business expense. Like you're creating an environment. This stuff is not for just you to consume. And another one that's kind of um, up for discussion if you have the type of space. I know my last studio had this, uh, we had like a living room type area and we had uh, a PlayStation hooked up there that the bands could play. They, if some of the members weren't tracking or they just weren't getting apart, I would be like, go, go watch TV or go play a video game for a little bit. Like take their mind off of it, go for a walk. And then me and so-and-so will, will track. And it just created an environment of like, they were like, Oh, like we're not just stuck in this like room all day. We can actually like do some fun stuff, but you're creating a really cool, fun studio experience. Even if it's a mini fridge, you're starting off, you have a mini fridge, you got some stuff going, you got some like Gatorades, waters, coconut water going in there, some snacks. Doesn't have to be anything crazy. You know, go to Smart and Final, pick up a box of snacks or something like that. Try to stay away from having too much sugary stuff around. Um, like, I don't think having candy bars or too many types of sodas. If anything, I would do. I would recommend like stick to the Gatorades, uh, fruit punch or not even fruit punch, like just things low in sugar. So they're not getting super hyper and crashing. Cause like coffee does that enough as it is. You don't need soda to be doing that. And if they want their own soda, they can go get it. Um, coffee maker for hot water for teas, have tea packets around. Just think of those type of things to create that experience. And yeah, it might cost a little something up front, but if you're consistent enough with work, it totally outweighs all that other stuff. And every studio I've ever been to that has that stuff, I'm always like, let's go to this studio again because like they have they have little little waters in the fridge. Like all that stuff to me is all part of the experience. And every engineer and everyone I work with, we're all like, yeah, let's go to that studio because like they have everything. Like so, if we're already feeling that way. If you provide that experience of course people are going to come back. You're, you're providing an experience. And I think with all this, we're, we're kind of hinting at like the experience is more than just like coming into the studio and recording. So you've done the first three. They're gone. The record has released. 
but the phone's not a ringing. And you're just like, what the heck? Why is the phone not ringing? What's going on? What happened? I did everything that one episode said. Well, there was one thing you were doing before the band said yes, that you stopped doing as soon as they said yes. And this is like any other relationship. Once you get the yes, some things just fall to the wayside, unfortunately. And then you have to be reminded again, like, oh, I need to keep doing that thing because that's what got me the yes in the first place. But it's natural. It's human. We, we all forget. And you're like, what? So what was the thing? You were following up. You were building a relationship, rapport. You were, being, you were bringing value to the relationship. They've come and recorded. They left. After the single dropped and you reposted and you did your little pleasantries, you just kind of went radio silent. And you might say, well, I got busy with recording bands. and the, Yeah, yeah that, that doesn't matter to the band. The band doesn't see that. They don't care. They don't care. They don't, they don't see that stuff. So to them, it's just like, oh, he just kind of, it was a great experience, but he just kind of disappeared. Like he was all cool up until we recorded with them. And then all of a sudden it was just like, we finished the record, we dropped the single and just kind of like vanished. Um, it was weird. And then you're that story all of a sudden. So how do you avoid this? The answer is simpler than you may think. And you're going to probably, and it's so simple. Just keeping your calendar, or so like if you talk to them today, just keeping your calendar to follow up with them within every 30 days, you should be having a soft touch with any artist you've worked with, minimum. Maybe you have a relationship with one of the band members already. That's great. That's awesome. Just keep building on that. Don't stop following up, but create a Google Calendar or Apple Calendar reminder every 30 days or every 15 days. Just check in and see what's going. Send them a joke. Send them a meme. If you have like a group band text, like just send a meme. That's more than enough. It doesn't have to be one of those things where like, hey guys, blah, blah, blah. It could be like send a meme and everyone starts laughing. And then, or maybe you find like this cool place to eat or you're in their area or they have a show and you're like, oh, hey, I'm going to go to your show. Finding natural ways to keep that rapport going so that you're just their friend that makes records that's always around and they won't, they're not, they don't want to record anyone else. Cause like, no, John's our friend, like always hanging out, always saying his funny memes, always saying his funny YouTube videos, um, recommending dope, like coffee drinks in the group chat. Those things add up and matter. So build on that. Don't just, once you get the yes, you kind of forgot what got you that. Yes. And this fifth one kind of goes into that one. And I kind of hinted at it was like, don't stop going to their shows just because you recorded the record. Still be a fan of the artist in the band. Even if they recorded that single with a new person, they give them a shot, still go and show your support. It's going to show more that you're actually their fan and their friend than it is going to be, oh, he's only our producer or mixer or whatever. You've got to, you've got to, Remember, band, bands and artists think about all that stuff. Whether you do or not, or your work's busy, your family life, you, you got, just like any relationship, it's give and take. You got to figure that stuff out. Otherwise, you're not going to have repeat business. And they're just going to remember that conversation of, oh, he just came and that was it. And like recorded us. And yeah, that was, that was, that was it. And then after that, we never really heard from him disappear. And one important factor to all this you have to remember is bands talk to other bands. So maybe, yeah, your record or EP or single that you did with this artist was great. And then they're playing a show in a month or two. You haven't really talked to them. And someone's like, so how is it record? Like, where'd you get it done? How was it recording with them? And they're like, yeah, it was cool. Like, 
John's a cool person, but honestly, like after we recorded with him, just kind of like disappeared. Like before that, talking like every other day, jokes and everything. And then out of nowhere, just like, I don't know if like maybe he didn't like us or what was going on, but now we just like never hear from him. And uh, yeah, like it was great, but yeah, no, we, we have no idea what, what he's doing now that band has that. Oh, well, if, he, if this band's better than us and he didn't like that band, then maybe he's going to say no to us or maybe John's a dick. Maybe he's not a nice person. There's all these people tell themselves stories to try to rationalize another person's stories, but you don't want to be a story in general. So just make sure that you follow up. You're 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 keeping the, you're keeping oil so that things the gears just keep moving right. Cuz it's part of what sucks about working in music is having to do all this. But hopefully with this episode and every everything we discussed, working in music doesn't have to suck anymore. And until next time friends.